welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, a salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones. Today we meet our seasonal Muppets quota as we secretly stroll down the hall to 1986 for an all-time favorite of mine, and as it turns out, a lot of people, Jim Henson's The Christmas Toy. I am not dressed right at all, Mike Westfall. <laughs> and joining me are three brand new guests. Let's meet them first. Please welcome the queen of the asteroids, Beth Seaslick. Hello, Beth. Hello. Did I say your name right? I didn't even think to ask. Beth? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm keeping that part in. <laughs> Uh, next, a wise old bear who's here to teach us about Christmas as soon as he's able to climb to the top of the dollhouse. It's Adam Juratich. Hey, Adam. Mike Westfall. Yeah. What's up, buddy? <laughs> Nobody gets that. I know. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, and the world's smartest cat toy. It's Donnie Storms. Hey, Donnie. Hey, Mike and friends. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you all on. Uh, this might be one of my most highly anticipated episodes ever. You three certainly have fond memories of the special. So let's yes. hear about them. Let's start with Beth. What is your history with the Christmas toy? Well, um, I'm not sure when I first saw it, but I know we had it on beta. <laughs> and, wow. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Actually, if I was like six or seven years old and you asked me what my favorite movies were, I probably would have said Children of the Corn, <laughs> Texas, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and The Christmas Toy. One of these <laughs> things is not like the others. Well, right? <laughs> in parts, it kind of is. <laughs> All right. Well, Donnie, why don't you go next? What's your history with The Christmas Toy? So, uh, I remember first remember watching this for the first time. I want to say I was nine or 10 years old, maybe. And, uh, I'm going to make myself sound like a Dickensian street urchin here for a second, but I promise it wasn't that bad. Uh, <laughs> my mom and I lived with my grandparents on a farm and, uh, her sister lived with us with her two kids. And it was just, it was a very packed house. It was very full house. <laughs> and so, yeah, I know. Right. Uh, and the days, the days did go by and yada, yada, yada. Um, so <laughs> that's a different theme song, whatever. Uh, one, one year uh, around Christmas time, one of my mom's coworkers was going on vacation and she offered to let us come house sit for her. And they had this beautiful A-frame house back in the woods, had a bunch of little hidey hole places you could go to. And so we're hanging out there at Christmas time and I found their uh, VHS tapes. And so I popped it in and watched the entire thing from front to back and absolutely loved it. There's Muppets, there's Christmas, there's what is there not to enjoy. And so the special has always had that kind of uh, not only the Christmassy feeling, but also that escape, that nice vacation-y feel to it. And uh, harkened back to a better time when I could get away from the giant packed house that we were living in. So a lot of, lot of other connotation than just the holiday stuff for me. Oh, what a great escape. Great story. All right, Adam, how about you? So let's see, 86, I would have been seven years old, um, about to turn eight. And I remember being at a babysitter's house, I guess the very first time this thing was ever on TV. Um, I 
caveat, it could have been a rerun. I'm sure they probably played this in syndication, but I'm pretty sure it was the first time. Um, I know I'd gotten like a really nasty splinter, uh, and I was laying there while this was on, and so I kind of just like tunnel visioned into this special while uh, the poor babysitter had like dig this shard of wood out of me. Um, and it just like, you know, when you go through like, you know, a minor trauma like that, the things that you latch on to for comfort kind of stick with you. So for years after that, uh, I, I used to watch this so much on my parents' VHS copy they had that I could actually like remember like one of the, it was the craft. Um, <laughs> yep. Craft cheese uh, uh, commercials. I could, I could, I can't now because you know it's been so too long now since I watched that VHS. But I could, I could remember the the order of the commercials when during that that airing for the for the special. Nice, so. nice. Oh, you guys had good stories, <laughs> and I was so, just like, I was a morbid kid. <laughs> <laughs> we all have nice, happy memories, and Beth is like, yeah, I was the one that put the splinter in his hand. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I my actual memory of the watching this movie though was that I felt like I could really relate to rugby even though he was being a jerk throughout the whole thing because <laughs> I was the oldest child and I felt like I was always being replaced. It was like every three <laughs> years my parents would be like, let's have another kid and I'm like, what the hell And then <laughs> after they had four kids, it was like every three years, it was like, let's get a new dog or a new cat. And so I was like, man, me and rugby, you know, <laughs> I could run with rugby. Like Adam, I remember watching this. Uh, it was the night it premiered. I have the least interesting story out of the four of us, but uh, it was December 6, 1986. I had to look that date up uh, on ABC. But I remember it being an anticipated event for me. I remember getting excited about watching it. I remember my mom getting the VCR ready to record it. And then I remember watching it over and over again every year that like Adam, even I had some of those commercials burned into the back of my brain where I could sing, celebrate the season with craft. With craft. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah. Nice. Cause they were the sponsor for the show. So that was the only commercial during the special. It was just, here's another recipe for craft. And if you, Clip out this coupon in the next TV guide. You'll get a poster with characters from this special, which I never got. But <laughs> it was nice to look at again when I saw it again. I do not have a VHS player. So for a while there, the only copy of this I had was the DVD that was released in 2008, where they cut out the Kermit parts at the beginning and the end mm -hmm. because it was a Henson release DVD, not a Disney one. But good news, everyone, if you have an Amazon Prime Video subscription, the Christmas toy is streaming on there with Kermit. I don't think I know that because, again, I have That's the DVD I here. So I, I may have watched it twice in the last week. Yes, yeah, so did yep. I the last two nights. <laughs> I, I may have watched it an hour ago, you know. Hey, whatever it takes. You wouldn't be the first. You will not be the last. Look, all, all I know is that we're getting ready to sit down and talk about this for an hour. And the last thing I wanted was anybody, you know, to, to misquote something or, or make a, a false memory and have somebody say, Donnie, you're out of your element. <laughs> that's, I mean. What about this guy? Jeez. That's my <laughs> default state on this special, okay? The only reason, I don't really remember all this stuff. I just rewatch it. And now y'all know. Uh. 
So let's just dive in. We open not on Kermit, but with a glimpse of the playroom we're about to get very familiar with. A bunch of random toys just asking, am I the Christmas toy? And our star, Rugby the Tiger, skateboarding by and shouting, no! <laughs> Which is peak 1986. <laughs> am I the Christmas toy? No! Am I the Christmas toy? No! Am I the Christmas toy? No! Get on the... Ah! Oh! Christmas toy. He's a dude with attitude. <laughs> and then he just crashes into a pile of toy blocks, delivers our title. And he's so dejected. The Christmas toy. Oh, the Christmas toy. <laughs> I ruined my own entrance. <laughs> uh, what, uh, who is what, one job. Johnny, who am I thinking of who tripped and like fell under the apron at that Royal Rumble? Oh, that would be uh, Titus O'Neil. Titus O'Neil. He did a Titus O'Neil. <laughs> he did. He did do a Titus. I can't believe I didn't think about that until now. <laughs> but that's our cold open to set up the title card, and then we cut to Kermit in a Santa suit about to break and enter the Jones residence via the chimney. Oh, uh, uh, no, it is not whom you think it is. It is I, Kermit the Frog. Now, Kermit is the correct size for going down a chimney. Do not try this at home, kids. <laughs> no, do not. You're not a tiny frog muppet. Don't end up like Phoebe Cates' father. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> mm, mm, deep cut there. Uh, well, it's two years removed from that. Uh, <laughs> even if that chimney looks quite large in this house. So this house is a classic 1980s McMansion with a gorgeous playroom-filled floor-to-ceiling with toys. All facing the fourth wall, thank you. Of course. <laughs> Kerman explains this story is about what happens in the room when no one's watching, and once he leaves back up the chimney, one by one, the toys begin waking up, so to speak, and singing our first song, Toys Love to Play. Something special happens When you leave our room you may think it's magic. Hey, we don't. Every single song in this movie is a total earworm. Like, oh. I've been singing all oh, of yes. these songs in my head for a week. Yeah. Yep. I've been singing yeah. one or two of these songs in my head for about 30 years, so. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's also interesting that, that besides, sorry, that besides, you know, the Kermit bookend sort of stuff, you know, Jim Henson and Frank Oz, the two biggies, are kind of, this is not, it's like they let all the secondary and tertiary performers kind of have their day with this thing. Yeah, it's a lot of, uh, yeah. a few people yeah. are from Fraggle Rock, but yeah, Frank Oz isn't in this at all. Jim Henson is the voice of a jack-in-the-box at that cold open, and I think he has one other line, and that's it. Yeah. I hate it in there or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's his exact line. But no, you're right. They really do take a back seat and they kind of want to get some of the names that we don't really know or didn't really know very well. And, and the great thing about them is that if you've watched a, a Muppet thing or you're familiar with the Muppets at all, you're like, oh, isn't that the guy who voices like fill in the blank character? And it, it bugs you because so many of the Muppets kind of have that same similar gravelly voice. So it's like, was that Fozzie or was that Gonzo? Oh, let me check IMDb. Oh, no, that was definitely Gonzo. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's go there. Uh, it's a little farther down in my notes, but 
Okay. Well, I want to hear the question about the song, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't have the question about the song. It was, oh. was going to be, do y'all have a favorite toy? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I, I will say, I will say that every time I watch this, which, you know, like I said, I watched it the last, you know, two times in the last week, but it's not the first two times that I've watched it in the last, you know, year. Uh, every time I watch it, I see a new toy. And that's yeah. the really cool thing about their toy room uh, that I was just wildly jealous of as a child. Um, but I I have a new toy, a new favorite toy every time I watch. And this time it's the one that I've dubbed Teacup Furby. Um, <laughs> it's it's one that starts like at the very beginning. It's this weird looking. Uh, I don't know if it's like a, a a marsupial of some sort, but it's got this really these really big ears. And it wears glasses and it's sitting in a teacup. And it's doing nothing but spinning in a circle. <laughs> and it looks just like because of the, the big eyes and the ears, it looks just like a Furby. So, yeah, uh, favorite toy right now. Uh, definitely teacup Furby. Oh, that's amazing. I know exactly <laughs> which one you're talking about. That's the best part about this. You could describe that. And if you've seen this enough and if you watched it enough, you can be like, yep. But at the same time, yeah, you can keep discovering toys in this because, it, again, it's this huge McMansion playroom that I certainly have never even seen before at any other house. And it's just where to look first. Yeah. Yeah. But anybody else have a favorite toy? Um, well, I'm partial to cruiser, the taxi driver. Very nice choice. <laughs> yeah, It's very cool. But um, there was another um, toy that I realized reminded me of a couple of characters in another TV special <laughs> from sometime in the eighties. Do you guys remember mother goose rock and rhyme? Oh my goodness. I haven't yes. thought about mother <laughs> goose rock and rhyme probably so good. in maybe 20 years. I'm not going to say 30, but I thought about it a little more recently than that, but not that much more recently. Wow. Um, so there's, there's a doll who's playing the drums when they, um, in like the first, yeah, it's the toys love to play, um, in the opening and mm -hmm. it's this doll. He's got really big, like pink glittery Afro yeah. hair. <laughs> like, and when I see him, I think of the band who's playing the Gordon, won't you come out and play song? been a bad boy <laughs> that was a, bad boy. oh that song <laughs> that yes, made me he's like oh, in man. a dungeon <laughs> it reminds me of them but then mixed with little richard's old king cole because he had pink hair <laughs> yes. wow am i gonna have to start another podcast of just non-holiday <laughs> specials that i haven't thought about in a while Cause that's such a good one. I haven't thought about that song in forever, but that just took me back to places. Well done, yeah. thank you. It just randomly pops in my head every few years, yep. and then I watch it on YouTube, and then I'm gonna find it on YouTube, and then just text it to my brother. This is what we do. We just find <laughs> random things take back and forth. Last week, he uh, texted me the uh, the worthless song from the Brave Little Toaster, and he said, uh, "Watching this with my kids now." That's a great song. Yeah. yeah. That's the best um, part. I was kind of a sad sack as a kid. So Mew always, I always like 
you for some reason. Mew and rugby, just like, their dynamic, just I always really, really, really enjoyed. Yeah, so. Mew's a good pick. Uh, I'm going to sing Mew's praises later. But as far as this opening number and my favorite toys, I like the guys on the motorcycles just because I think I was impressed by how they were Muppets, but they were mm-hmm. clearly radio controlled. Looks mm-hmm. like a step up from Doozer technology. We'll call it. <laughs> That's Great name for a punk band, by the way. Doozer technology. We're Doozer technology. This song's about a girl. <laughs> <laughs> They're that- all about girls. <laughs> Uh, That's the really impressive thing about this whole scene is the sheer volume of movement. And it's not just traditional Muppets. You can see different types of toys. You can see the hardwood floors. And I very quickly buy into the magic they're creating here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, okay, let's let's jump into the cast really quickly. I'll mention the main three and then I'll come back again a little later. But uh. The three Muppets we meet in the beginning here, we mentioned Rugby is Dave Goals, best known as Gonzo. We have Apple, who is Catherine Mullen, which is why she sounds very much like Moki from Fraggle Rock. (laughs) I said we're going to learn about Christmas. Or don't you think you need to? What's to learn? I know everything about it. You do? Like what? Well, like, I'm the most important part because I'm the Christmas toy. So, Apple, I've Seen her described as a cabbage patch looking doll, but I think she looks more like female my buddy. And yes, I don't she, yes, <laughs> I, I don't mean kid sister, I mean gender swapped my buddy. <laughs> because they put kid sister in a pink with a flower print shirt. If they just yeah. kept the blue overalls and the stripes and the smaller pupils, that's Apple. Who yeah. says yeah. cabbage patch kid? That's that's not even like a that's not even close. People who don't remember my buddy, I guess. Man. Yeah, there's nothing Cabbage Patch about her at all. Like, no. not even a little bit. That's what I read or someone said to me recently. I'm like, nah, dude, that's my buddy. Yeah. Tell them they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Opinions are fine, but that one's wrong. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, there's Mew the Family Cat's Toy Mouse. Uh, is Steve Whitmire, who, of course, took over Kermit after Jim Henson's death. Before that, his biggest characters were probably Wembley, Rizzo, and Bean Bunny. We toys really love Christmas Eve. Yep, we sure do. We uh, toy- What do you mean, we? Well, I'm a toy, too, you know. But you're a cop toy. We'll get to more later. But after this song, it's not long before. No, not even after this song. In the middle of this song, there's this toy duck in a sailboat who's kind of the, the watchman blowing his whistle uh, from his lookout spot in the crack of the doorway that people are coming. Everyone get back to your places. So let's bring up this now. Ahem, ahem, Toy Story. Ahem, ahem. Did Toy Story oh. rip this off? <laughs> of course um, it did. <laughs> yeah. It, it, the question is not, did Toy Story rip this off? It's how much of this movie did Toy Story rip off? Because yeah. there's at least two bits by my count that Toy Story just blatantly steals. And this is one of them. So, yeah, no, Toy Story <laughs> definitely stole this. Beth, do you have an opinion? I don't know. I I, <laughs> I think I saw Toy Story once. <laughs> wow. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm, I was on the fence when I started watching this, but as I watched it more and more, obviously the concept of toys coming to life is way older than these two. That goes back to the Nutcracker, and there are early cartoons of that happening, but I see a lot of people claiming the two are beat for beat the same story, and I don't think that's the case. No. No. 
They both have an action figure from space who's about to replace a child's favorite and also doesn't realize they're a toy. Was Pixar <laughs> accidentally too inspired by this? Yeah, probably. But people like to bring up things like the Barbie stand-in changes into a little Bo Peep outfit for maybe five seconds. I'm not buying that. Her whole joke is she keeps changing outfits. And then one article I read tried to compare Balthazar, the old teddy bear, to Lotso from Toy Story 3. No, but no, 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 no that's no, reaching, no. y'all. That's a super reach. Yeah, Lotso is an actual thing that existed. And and if you're going to bring up Barbie and her outfit changes, at least mention the bit in Toy Story 3 where that's basically what she does. Where she's like, you know, yeah. having a... An, an esoteric crisis mm-hmm. about her or sorry, an existential crisis about what outfit she's going to wear. So yeah, no, bring that up at the Bo Peep outfit. No, that's, <laughs> no, that was that's, Ken. That's the best part about Toy Story three. That was Ken. Oh, you're right. Oh, right. You're, right. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but it's absolutely worth mentioning. So we mentioned it. Uh, one huge yes. difference between Toy Story and, And this is that Toy Story doesn't really delve into the consequences of being caught out of place. There's a lot of trying to sneak around unnoticed in Toy Story, but in the Christmas toy, we get the stipulation where if a toy is caught out of place, it becomes frozen forever. That's dark. Terrifying. Terrifying. Super dark. Yeah. See, now that's children of the corn level dark, so I definitely (laughs) see where you're coming from, Beth. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might have been the thing that that hooked me. <laughs> <laughs> I was honestly, honestly, when uh, when you asked Beth what her favorite character was, I was ready for her to say, "Yeah, the dead bird that appears in the pile of dead toys oh, for dead about three bird. and a half seconds." <laughs> That's a cool looking dead bird, though. Like, like I oh, would yeah, want that as a puppet. It remind me of a knock knock the from the Great Space Coaster, which is a deep cut, but. <laughs> So the room goes dark and Apple tries to warn the show-off rugby who waits to the last possible second to leap back into his place. And in walk siblings Jesse and Jamie Jones, hoping to play before their mom calls them to bed. Because Santa doesn't come till you're asleep. How can any toy be greater than rugby? He's the most specialist toy in the whole world. No, he's not. Jesse, Jamie, time for bed. But we want to play! Well, stay up if you want to, but you know Santa won't come until you're both fast asleep. Uh, And let's talk about the human cast quickly. I'm not going to hit every Muppet in this, but I do want to run down the humans because I did some Googling to keep up with the Joneses. uh, And it it got interesting. So, Jamie, that's the girl. Let's give both of our young children in this thing alliterating unisex names just to confuse everyone. (laughs) Are they twins? (laughs) Oh. That's so funny because I was watching this with with my mom a, you know, a couple hours ago, and she asked me, are, "Are they twins?" I was like, "I don't think so. I think that uh, Jamie is supposed to be older, but uh, now that you're saying it, like maybe it's hard to tell. Like I got that impression at the beginning too, but I think it's implied that they share a bedroom. Yeah, well, that would be mm, yeah, they do. Ask, I guess. Yeah. Which yeah. I mean. Not a huge deal, but not something I would expect to see in a giant house on TV, maybe. Maybe it was like a, a not to keep bringing up full house, because God knows why would anyone do that? But <laughs> it was one of those cases where like Molly and, and Jamie used to share a room and then Molly needed her own room. And so when Jesse came along, they had they had to share the room. And uh, 
so they had to move move Molly out and move the twins or move the the two kids, the younger kids, in together. Perhaps. Uh, but Jamie, I was going to talk about the cast. <laughs> uh, Jamie, yeah, no, not your fault. I'm the one who started this <laughs> tangent. <laughs> tangents are well. This whole show, this whole podcast is tangents. That's why I love it. Uh, Jamie is Marsha Moreau, who would later play Jerry O'Connell's sister in My Secret Identity. And she was also the voice of Madeline, as in the old house in Paris covered in vines, Madeline. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Her brother, Jesse, is Zachary Bennett, who is still acting. Wikipedia says he's best known as a child actor from Road to Avonlea. Uh, But he's also a voice actor. He's one of the villains on a PBS kids show that my kids watch called Wild Kratz. Uh, But most notably to me, he was another Jesse on the short-lived animated series adaptation of Free Willy. (laughs) I don't remember that existing. (laughs) Uh, We mentioned their older sister, Molly, who we see only a glimpse of, but we sure hear her teenager voice from down the hall. (laughs) Mom, the brats are awake and they're out in the hallway. Mom, the brats are awake and they're out in the hallway. <laughs> my, my favorite part about that entire bit is when she mom fires back with, don't call your siblings, Brexy. She's like, okay, the monsters are awake. Yes. Mom's like, that's better. <laughs> Go to bed, mom. <laughs> that is such a great joke. Uh, but that's actually. That, Go ahead. Oh, you're probably going to say the same thing I was going to say was that. Molly and Meteora are the same person. Yes, that's Camille Benora. She's a Muppet performer. She's the voice of Meteora, who we will talk about later in great detail. Um, uh, the mom is Diana Birkenfield, who's actually the executive producer of this. She had been working with Jim Henson since the early 1960s. If you're familiar with his short film called Timepiece, she is an actress in that. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I forget what she did in that, but she's in it. Um, and then he's not credited, but according to IMDb, the voice of the dad is Jack Riley, the voice of Stu Pickles. Did the kids remember to put out some milk and cookies for Santa? <laughs> You've got to be kidding. Can you imagine them forgetting? <laughs> not really, but it's worth checking. <laughs> what kind of cookies did you buy? Never you mind. The country croc guy. I talked yeah. about him. He was in the Halloween that almost <laughs> wasn't. He's the werewolf in that. It doesn't sound like him here, so I was surprised when I saw that because he has a very distinct sounding voice. But I'll take IMDb's word for it. Oh, you know what? It now that I think about it, he does sound like the country croc. I can hear that. Maybe that's what. Maybe I'm trying yeah. to listen to Stu Pickles too much and not country croc. <laughs> maybe that's my problem. Yeah, listen to the country croc. You'll hear it. <laughs> They're here. I'll get the door. I'll get the country crock. On second thought, you get the door. Okay. Will you stop it? I'm just just disappointed that it wasn't Adam Duritz from the Counting Crows. Yeah, well. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Jones. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But for now, after the kids are gone, we get the announcement that it's Christmas Eve. I can't think of anything more wonderful, more fantastic, more... All right. It's Christmas Eve! (laughs) From Belmont the Rocking Horse, who Jesse brought into the playroom from his room, I guess. That's Belmont like the horse race, not the family of vampire hunters. 
Because that's before this. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a movie? No. <laughs> a Castlevania Christmas. I'd be into it. <laughs> yes, Beth would be into it, of course. <laughs> I'm on board. Give that to me. Uh, but this is where we see Rugby remembering last Christmas in song form. And this is take one of the greatest Christmas toy of all. I always Everyone cheered That wonderful moment Yours truly appeared So I have another question. This seems to be the first thing Rugby remembers. Do toys only become self-aware when they're given as gifts? Or when they're open? Here we go. (laughs) Now we're back in the Toy Story territory again. (laughs) Um, See, my question question about that was do people actually take toys out of their packaging before they wrap them? Because my parents never did that. Well, to be fair, he was a stuffed animal and most stuffed animals don't have packaging. So I guess that's true. This one, but Meteora, absolutely. Very strange that she was out of package. That's very true. (laughs) I, I, I will say that I hold this movie responsible for the fact that uh, I unbox everything I buy. I have a ridiculous collection of action figures. Uh, I and it's it doesn't stop growing. It's uh, my dumb, stupid hobby, and uh, I'm 38 and still buying action figures. But uh, I I absolutely blame this movie for me unpackaging them because I can't bear to think of uh, my you know the the poor toys stuck in the box like wanting oh, to get dear. out like poor. <laughs> Poor Jim Henson, uh, Jack in the Box. They want to get out. They want to play because toys love to play. Right. And they're stuck in the box. So, yeah, I unpackage everything. I don't care about value. I want the toys to have a nice life. And I blame this movie. (laughs) That makes me feel better about not collecting. I'm not a collector just because I don't have room to put anything. And also, I like being able to feed my children. But (laughs) it's 11. But... <laughs> so is Christmas rugby's de facto birthday then? That's that's what my kids decided. All of their stuffed toys celebrate their birthdays based on the day they receive and open them. Man, that's a lot of birthdays <laughs> on Christmas then. <laughs> oh yeah. When they're not making up their own birthdays. You know, the beanie babies have the tags on them with like a set birthday on them. So they'll just they'll look at the calendar and decide, I want to celebrate a birthday for five minutes. So this is your birthday now. Well, next time somebody tells you to remember that a birthday is the reason for the season, tell them, yeah, rugby's. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) (laughs) And meteoras. And meteoras. And And Christmas Eve, technically. And apples. Yeah. Speaking of Apple, there's a blink and you miss it moment in this flashback where you see Apple lying in the back. We get to it later, but I don't think I noticed it until now that it was there the first time you see it. Watching Jamie meet rugby. Hmm. Did y'all catch that? No, I did, but I did not catch it the first time. Um, But that doesn't surprise me, Um, mostly because a lot of the cinematography in this movie is fantastic, which I don't want to jump the gun here. But no, yeah, uh, it it doesn't surprise me at all that they would at least slide that in there as kind of a background detail to kind of call back to it, because the cinematography in this is so well done. It really, really is. And that's one of those things where, again, I've seen this every year for more than 30 years, and I'm just noticing that now. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
So that's how they explain why Rugby thinks he's the most important toy in the house. But since he's only experienced one Christmas, his thought process is, I can't wait till she opens the box and finds me inside. So now he thinks he needs to get to his box in the living room to get ready for Christmas morning. Now, this this also brings up kind of an interesting, like, is he the first toy who's ever had this kind of delusion? Like, obviously, Balthazar has been in there forever. Like, at some point, you'd think some other toy would also have this kind of like, well, I guess it's time for me to get back in the box again. But he seems, it seems to be like he's the only one, which seems strange. I'm sure it's happened to other toys there, but they've already established rugby as having a huge ego about it. So that kind of feeds into it. So his is probably a worse case than other toys. Yeah, fair enough. But as Rugby decides he needs to get down to the living room and get ready for Christmas morning, here's our first peek out into the dark hallway. Let's talk about this hallway. I have been to Halloween Horror Nights houses at Universal (laughs) Studios that are lit like this hallway. It's a hell of a set piece. I mean, it's just really like they don't mess around. They set the mood hard and fast, let you know how this is going to play out. I mean, they're they're trying to to give you that sense of foreboding for the toys, and they do a great job of it. It's dark. There's very little light. Uh, I think even the scene later on when all the toys are coming down the hallway, the lighting is very much they're in shadow, which, again, some of the great cinematography. But, yeah, no, they there is definitely – something uh very sinister and and kind of almost evil about the hallway it's kind of like the uh uh what's the the area in lion king where you're never supposed to go the elephant graveyard as an adult my favorite thing about this special is the mood of this hallway how they shift from fun cozy playroom to dark foreboding hallway the music cue switch there's this echoey sound effect every time when we see the parents or even the kids, we see them as giants from the toy's point of view. I love it. So Rugby slips out the door while Balthazar, the oldest toy in the room, gives his annual Christmas speech about making new toys feel welcome and not to get jealous. This is where Toy Story, I think, tells a better story about a toy's job is to be there for their kid. Christmas toy doesn't really delve into that. It's more concerned with don't get caught or you'll die. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, though, there's, you know, when Balthasar is up there talking. Now, Christmas is a very important event in the playroom. And I want to make sure you all know what it means. First of all, the 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 Muppetry. Is that a word we can use? Muppetry that they use for him. Is fantastic because you can see like that seams are torn apart. He's clearly a hand-me-down toy. Like he could not possibly have been old enough to have been uh, either one of Jesse or Jamie's. He's got to be a parent's toy. So he's been around and he's seen some stuff. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> and, and and my favorite thing about uh, about him is that he sounds like the Krispy Critters commercial. <laughs> Does anyone remember uh, that? Signal? I do. It, it, the crispy critters. The he's good do, yeah, bunch. he's doing yes. a Jimmy Durante impression just for one commercial. Exactly. 
and and so it falls in between, you know, that really weird Jimmy Durante and just like normal talking voice kind of. It's like a, a watered down Jimmy Durante voice. And uh, that immediately is what I heard. And so I keep waiting for the toys to break into trying to say indubitably and not be able to do it. <laughs> and then somebody says, ha cha 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 or something, you know. <laughs> wow. I never picked up on that. I mean, it's Jerry Nelson doing like – an older than usual Jerry Nelson voice, but mm-hmm. you know, wow! Now I gotta put that Crispy Critters commercial in here somewhere. Hello, my name is Crispy. How do you do? Crispy Critters cereal, entirely new. It's indubitably delicious. Oh, here comes Crispy Critters, a good wholesome bunch. The low sugar cereal with lots of crunch. Yes, it's indubitably. 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 Most crispy critter cereal is part of a balanced breakfast. Brighten the holiday platter with tangy topped potato rounds. Miracle Whip salad dressing adds a tangy zip. Combine with sour cream and Kraft Parmesan cheese and chill. Then top baked potato slices and garnish with chives and radish bits. And trim your platter with a bed of fresh greens. Craft TV special recipes are in TV Guide magazine. Here's a special offer on a great stocking stuffer. This poster with characters from tonight's show is free at participating stores when you buy one of these craft products. Look in tomorrow's paper for special savings and store coupons. Now back to our story. Uh, the only one who sees rugby leave is Mew, who informs everyone else. Well, here we're introduced briefly to Dips the Toy Clown. I can't believe rugby would do something that stupid. No, I- Did somebody call me? Who reasons, let me just stick my head out the door and call rugby back, but ignores the people coming warning and gets frozen forever in the doorway. We essentially watch him die 15 minutes into yeah. this. Just, just, ugh. It's the first time I can ever remember being sad watching TV. Wow. Like, that's how much this upset me. I vividly remember that moment of, oh my God, what am I seeing? That poor clown is dead. He's stupid, but he's dead, and that's sad. But he meant and so well. <laughs> it, it's it just, it stuck with me for for 30 plus years, the image of that poor clown, just he loses all of his autonomy. Like his legs go jelly. His top slumps over. He falls down. He's dead. It's just, it, it still just even picturing it now is it kind of has the little pang in my heart. Yeah, dude. Uh, it, it was definitely well done. Yeah. Quarter of a way into this hour long special. And Hey kids, watch this toy collapse into a lifeless heap. You know what, what I noticed about that, segment was not Ditz, you know, basically dying because I was, I was too, I was too preoccupied with the fact that the mom is talking about, she has to go into the playroom to find laundry. And I'm thinking like, why are Jesse and Jamie taking their clothes off in the playroom? Oh no. (laughs) And so I, I was distracted by that. And I didn't really realize the gravity of the situation until I'm sitting here listening to you guys talk about, I'm like, Oh yeah, that is, 
really sad. Why didn't I feel sad? Oh, because I was I was worried about the I laundry. I did notice the laundry too, and it's just yeah. sitting in a pile on the floor. <laughs> Come on, kids. She just scoops them up with the laundry and throws them. There you them. go. Yep. Then they yep. give him a little funeral procession by toy train and Ugh. dropping him off in a corner where they've laid the other frozen toys to rest. Christmas special for children. <laughs> okay. I, I made a note on that. I said, watching it these past two times, I'm like, Ditz's body is being driven through the playroom on the back of a train as if he is Lincoln's <laughs> casket. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. what they did? Like, they drove him on a train across the country so that people yeah. could see him. That's what that reminds me great, of. That's probably exactly what they're doing now that I think about it. And for me, it reminded me of uh, Vader's funeral pyre at the uh, end of Jedi. <laughs> yeah, it goes from where they're burning his body on Endor. <laughs> uh, but but the thing that that disturbs me most about this is okay. So we see this this pile of toys that they throw him into. Uh, go back and think about them singing "Toys Love to Play." They're singing and dancing with a pile of dead bodies over in the corner, <laughs> just out of sight. I mean, yeah, but you figure in their in their culture, that basically is like. It's like the cemetery, right? So it's 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 it's, it's all encompassing uh, sure. existence for them. So you live, you sure. die, you get tossed in the corner. That's how it works. <laughs> Still very dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, rugby thankfully was not caught out of place because Mr. and Mrs. Jones are doing laundry, as we said, and he finds on Christmas Eve they're doing laundry on Christmas Eve. By the way. And he finds himself under a pile of sheets and clothes. Meanwhile, Mew takes it upon himself to go help Rugby, who tries to tell him to go away. Here's a running theme this whole time. No one respects Mew as a cat toy. He smells like catnip, so every time he approaches a group of other toys, they rebuke him with, Ew! It's Mew! Ew! It's Mew! Yeah! Yeah! It's catnip! Just catnip! Ew! It's Mew! Oh, Mew. Everyone's a jerk to him, and he is the savior of this special. Mm -hmm. We get a quick parents alert while Rugby and Mew hide in the hall closet and end up getting stuck in there. And here's where Rugby flashes back again to his first and only Christmas morning as he explains to Mew now what it's like to be the most important toy in existence on a day that's all about you. And Mew... You're just a cat toy. <laughs> well, yeah, Mew, not knowing any better, buys it. So now he's going to help Rugby get to the Christmas tree in the living room. But first, they have to escape the closet. And luckily, Mew learned a trick from the cat to open the door. So they get out and make their way down the hall. Foreshadowing. Meanwhile, back in the playroom, Belmont, without thinking, says... If it was possible to go out and rescue him, well, that's exactly what I would do. If it was possible... Which it most definitely is not. And that's Apple's cue for our next song, Try the Impossible. Try the Impossible. They're the Incredible. Climb aboard and take a ride. Hope that luck is on your side. <laughs> this might be the biggest earworm for me. I have found myself singing this in the kitchen or just whenever... The word impossible comes up. Here comes that song out of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a story about this Ooh. song. So I was, <laughs> I can remember the past few times that I've watched it. So the past few years, when it comes to the part, <laughs> the part when Balthazar is like, 
if there's a feeling in your heart. <laughs> but I find myself thinking fart instead of heart. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, am I thinking that because we said that as kids, like my siblings and I, maybe, but, and I've meant to ask my sister and I forgot, but more that I think about it, I'm like, I don't think so. I think that's just my like almost 40 year old, but still like 15 year old brain <laughs> <laughs> just thinking perhaps, farts because it rhymes with heart. Perhaps you would send it on a at some point. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's yeah, you get it right or pay the price. I don't know. Now now I'm changing it to fart in my head from now on ever. <laughs> so Apple organizes a rescue mission to bring rugby back to the playroom. Joining the mission are Bleep the Robot. Request permission to join the mission as robot guard. Performed by Rob Mills, who's most notably the body puppeteer for Junior Gorg on Fraggle Rock. Uh, the aforementioned Cruiser the Cab Driver, performed by Brian Henson. Well, Cruise is the name and speed is my game. Whoa, it, it could be dangerous. <laughs> Baby, you just said the magic word. And the Barbie-ish doll who needs to find the right outfit for the rescue mission. Oh, my! Rescue mission? I'm not dressed right at all. Uh, here's where she's dressed up like Bo Peep for the five seconds, and we don't see her again until the end. And wrong! Oh, we do see her one more time, but... I thought there was at least one more time, yeah. Yeah, there was, okay, so we see her two more times, and that's it. Yeah, you're right. I don't leave without me. <laughs> Back in the hallway, Rugby and Mew now get crushed behind the door to Jesse and Jamie's bedroom as they step out to peek at what Santa left them, and here's the, the monsters are in the hallway. Molly, I told you not to call your brother and sister brats. Okay. The monsters are awake and they're in the hallway. Jesse, Jamie, get to bed or I'll tell Santa to take your presents back where they came from. <laughs> yeah, now that you said that, that might be my favorite joke of this entire special. I have no idea what time it is at this point, but every other human in the house is still awake. Mom and dad are still dressed. Now that's that's legit. I Christmas Eve, yeah. uh, I classically, you know, my wife and I are wrapping presents, watching Wonderful yep. Life, and inevitably it's like, well, it's three. Uh, we should probably go to bed at some point. <laughs> so that 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 tracks where you're fully clothed, middle of the night, Christmas Eve. I'm I'm okay with that. Okay. Probably had a couple cocktails. Feeling all right. But his mom like what struck me as odd is mom is still in her dress shoes. It's got to be, what, 9 and 10 at night. That's not a thing <laughs> I'm expecting. Like, at least, okay, you can still be dressed, but the shoes are still on. Yeah, all right. Christmas shoes. Oh, dear. <laughs> Honey, put on your Christmas shoes. <laughs> he wants to look beautiful if she's going to meet Jesus tonight. <laughs> Meteor in the morning. <laughs> Uh, well, as all the humans return to their rooms, Rugby and Mew make their way downstairs by falling down them. Rugby finds Jamie's biggest gift box wrapped in glittery paper and a ribbon. Now, I know they did this to make it easier for the puppet tiger to open the box on camera, but have any of y'all ever wrapped a box and then its lid separately like this? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, I didn't think so. 
But now I'm now I'm going to. There you go. See, just to be obstinate. We're creating <laughs> traditions on this show. Uh, Love it. Yeah, but that's, Christmas shoes. <laughs> that's just a device to make everyone's job easier here. Uh, but Rugby can't get the ribbon open until Mew climbs up the Christmas tree and yanks it off. Like I said, without Mew, Rugby would have still been in the closet. He is definitely the unsung hero of this whole thing. Well, Absolutely. let's be clear here. He would have he would have died because eventually that closet would have opened and they've been like, what are you doing in this closet? And he would have been like, bloop. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. And yeah. You're right. That would have been that. Yep. There's, there's a very and maybe I'm looking way too much at a you know special made for children. But there's a there's a lot of allu- little allusions to like the mouse and the lion with, you know, the, oh. the big, strong cat. And he's a tiger in this case. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, where he's like, you know, oh, I'm the greatest and I'm the most wonderful. And then when stuff goes down, it's the the small, I- insignificant. I'm making air quotes that no one can see, but insignificant <laughs> mouse that that ends up saving the day and, and being the one that does all the heavy lifting. And I think on top of that, another thing to consider is that since this is for kids, like kids have a very like they want to take control of things. They want to be. Uh, in charge of their own lives and they don't have the power to do that. So when they have the opportunity, they want to be the heroes in, in their stories. They want to be the ones to step forward and kind of kind of do the heavy lifting. They want to be the big deal. And so I think that in this case, uh, Mew is kind of the avatar for the young viewer who can't do anything. Parents look at them and say, oh, you're just a kid. And the kid's like, no, I can do this. I can I can save the day. I can do great things. So, I, you know, yeah, Mew's super important because it's it's what the, the kids see uh, as they're watching the show as being themselves. That's a very, very, very good point. I didn't catch on to the lion and the mouse comparisons. Yeah. Well done, but. But yeah, your point about uh, him being the avatar for the kids is absolutely the case here. So Rugby starts to open the box when Apple and the rescue mission catch up with them. Rugby's still convinced Apple's trying to get in the box and take his place. But when he opens it, he finds someone else in there, and we finally meet Meteora, Queen of the Asteroids. I am Meteora, Queen of the Asteroids. Take me to your leader, you sorry excuse for a grizzbot. I don't have a leader. I have a cat. Again, as performed by Camille Bonora, I also mentioned her briefly on an episode where we were talking about the tale of the bunny picnic. She was Bean Bunny's sister Twitch in that. So before we before we jump into Meteora, I do want to say there's one thing that absolutely I I every time I watch it cracks me up is um. Uh, Apple and uh, uh, the cruiser doing the Thelma and Louise off the yes. staircase. Like she jumps <laughs> on the back and they're like, let's go! And fly <laughs> off the staircase. It's my absolute favorite part of the whole thing. They have a smoother ride down than the tiger and the mouse did. They do. That, that, now that part is comedy to me. When uh, when you and rugby head down those stairs, man, that is just... that. My other kid, anyway. That just that just did me in. I was like, "That's good. That's 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 comedy." Forget about well, Toy I mean, Story. Thelma and Louise is here ripping, getting ripping off the Christmas <laughs> toy. <laughs> okay, we could we could talk about Meteora now. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Here's our proto Buzz Lightyear, and I think Meteora is way cooler than Buzz Lightyear. I get behind that. Yeah, absolutely. She's she's got pizzazz. Uh, she's sparkly. 
and uh, she's got a big sword. So, I mean, she also has red hair. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, and, and Apple does too. I was, I was thinking like as a natural redhead myself, I feel very well represented in this movie. Nice. Because two, two of the main characters have, have red hair. Yeah. I was trying to think of other adjectives from the dang song and I'm totally blanking on it. Like <laughs> stunning. You're lovely. She's stunning. <laughs> Smart and brave and strong. That's the one. Yep. Thrilling. Stunning. Mew says stunning a few times. Mew is also yeah. just starstruck. Now I want Mew and Meteor romance novels. <laughs> I'd ship it. would be their poor man's oh! <laughs> Let's write some fanfic. Let's do it. <laughs> or at least give us like a Meteor and Apple buddy comedy. <laughs> On the huh. back of Cruiser's cab. On the back of Cruiser, driving them off a cliff <laughs> where they all land safely <laughs> and have a picnic. Perfect. The the best part for me of uh, the Meteora song, and it's I, I can't remember if it's a lyric or just an aside, but it's where they tell her to go into the box because you'll go in a queen, you'll go in queen of the asteroids, and you'll come out a star, which is just a plus wordplay. Oh, like, yeah. just a plus <laughs> wonderful wordplay. No, that's wordplay for the grown-ups, because I certainly didn't yeah. pick up on that as a kid. And I think it took me yeah. a few years as an adult before I realized, oh. Oh, French class. <laughs> oh, wrong move. Yeah, nice. Did we skip over the part where she's attacking the Duchess set? Yes. Because that's also. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that is is great. Good, good stuff. <laughs> the the white pieces from the chess, quote unquote, set where there's no black pieces and no board. They're just chess pieces that hang out for no reason. Yeah, well, I mean, they're probably on top of the board, but that's all you see of the chess pieces. No, no. If you, Are they if just on the table? Company, yeah, when you go, there's a, there's a scene where there, I think it's when, um, where rugby goes back down, they do a cut and it's just like five chess pieces sitting on a coffee table, like they're decoration. Oh, I thought it was just dark. No. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah, go back and watch again. Cause I, I noticed it the first time and I was like, I'm going to see if there's a board the second time. No, no, no board. Just five random chess pieces sitting on a coffee table. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because again, Mew saves the day again by making cat noises. Right. Well, yep. even before that, but yeah, uh, as soon as Meteora flies out of the box, she either flies or falls with way more style than Buzz Lightyear ever had. <laughs> uh, rugby immediately climbs into it and Apple drags him out by his elbow and makes him listen to her side of last Christmas. And we go to the flashback again. Remember when I said I saw Apple in the background? Now the camera focuses in on her and you see a tear falling down her cheek. Tragic. It's so dramatic. Uh, <laughs> so tragic. Yeah. Uh, and for a second, rugby seems to understand that Apple was Jamie's Christmas toy before him and Meteora is the Christmas gift after him. Let's see how long that lasts. Oh, about five seconds. And he's back in the box. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a great story about this that I did not have until this morning. Ooh, so. <laughs> a couple nights ago, um, when I watched it for the first time in preparation for this, um, my daughter watched it with with me, and um, she she watched the whole thing. She was really into it. It was like one of the only things that I've ever shown her from my childhood that she has gotten into <laughs> because nice. I've tried so many things like 
donate the pictures is like my number one favorite thing. And I've tried to get her into that. Children of the Corn and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, this and don't eat the pictures. They're kind of on that level. (laughs) And I'm sitting here under a Texas Chainsaw Massacre blanket right now. (laughs) In my basement. Um, But anyway, so she she watched it with me. And then this morning, today was her birthday. And we woke we woke her up with some with some gifts. And she had gotten a gift previously. It was uh, the salamander from Frozen. Rooney is his name. Yes. Um, and she had him in her room already and she took him and put him into the bag where her new gifts were. And she looked at me and she said, look, he thinks he's, he's my birthday present. <laughs> I was like, Oh, are you, are you doing like in the movie the other day? And she's like, yeah. she's like, yeah, he's like the tiger. It's <laughs> like, you're a very smart girl. I'm the um, Christmas element. That was, that was cute, though. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's right such there. a great story. Uh, so then Apple explains to Rugby, what happens if Jamie opens the box and finds you out of place? Not only will every human in the house be very, very confused, but Rugby will be frozen forever, and that finally is what makes him listen to reason, just in time for Meteora to start a fight with these chess pieces. <laughs> Which is loud enough that Molly can hear her from upstairs. Earlier, we had every toy in the playroom do a song and dance number with the lights on right across the hall, and no one heard that. Is it just because Meteora doesn't realize she's a toy, and so she doesn't know to control her own volume? Mm. That's what I was wondering, too. Because what can or can't people hear? Because that chess piece falling was the only thing that they heard. And the chess piece is not a toy itself. No. So they would hear that, right? right, right Maybe. So right. then, I mean, they came crashing then, down the stairs twice. You uh, yeah. that. And, and then, though, they hear Mew meowing, and he's a toy, so... Yeah. <laughs> like, why did they hear? They're the cat gonna, toy, so is that different rules then? I'm gonna I'm gonna create some headcanon. Let's do uh, it. Maybe maybe in the toy room because it is designated as the toy room. It's like a safe space, and when you have plenty of toys using the magic to come to life, it creates a barrier which doesn't let any of the magic Ooh. out. So the lights appear off, and the sound doesn't escape unless you open the door, thus breaking the barrier. I like that way better than well, doors only slightly ajar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that way better. Let's but, roll with that. Okay, yeah. But yeah, to your point, Dad's coming to check. He's also still wearing his shoes. Um, every other toy in the living room besides Meteora now thinks they're doomed. His dad comes out of the room. Uh, we get that horror music again. It's like that dun-dun. Until Mew finds his courage and mews like a cat, sending Dad back to his room. It's nothing. Just a cat. Just a cat. My my favorite part of this is that the first line that Dad says when they kind of alert you that he's a, he's awake and he's coming to check is I can't believe we didn't turn off the tree. So like <laughs> he's in the room like probably laying down to sleep and dude just bolts up sh- you know straight in bed and says Holy smokes the tree and I said go turn it off. Like, dude, relax. Like lay down. It's fine. The tree will be okay. That's such a dad line. You're gonna turn it on and get it five hours anyway. 
Christmas Eve's the night that we actually keep the lights on so that who knows what time our kids are going to come in or going to wake up because yep. they have to pass the living room and the tree to get to our room. So I I will tell you, uh, my Christmas tree is actually still up. Uh, hey, all right. Might as well. We usually we usually take it down uh, WrestleMania weekend because people are coming <laughs> to the house. Uh, so it's usually it goes up uh, in mid-November and comes down WrestleMania weekend. But uh, when uh, when COVID hit, we were like, why bother? We need some bright, happy lights. Let's leave the tree up. So, yeah, tree. my tree is definitely still up and the lights have not been off since we plugged them in to turn them on the first time. Oh, my goodness. That's great. Well, good. Yeah. My mother-in-law put up, put up her tree about four years ago and just kind of left it up. Nice. <laughs> <So> <laughs> decorated and everything. Like, doesn't like change decorations or anything. It's just, it's just always up and yep. always there. There's the Christmas tree. Love it. The house Love it. Okay, and now the toys, thankfully, are finally starting to sing Muse praises now there's the problem of getting Meteora back into her box. And here's where we get the Meteora song. You are lovely, Meteora. Yes, so lovely and smart and brave and strong. So exciting, Meteora. Even lightning bolts seem dull when you're alone. Oh, here's the thing I wanted to talk about during the Meteora song. More of the cinematography. I like the camera framing during this of rugby from in between the Christmas tree branches and the ornaments. It's really, really nice. <laughs> and then every once in a while, they cut the mew at the queen's feet singing And then, <laughs> and that convinces her to fly back in the box. Wrap it up, rugby. My public awaits. So mission accomplished, or so we thought, because everyone heads back. And Mew's trying to hold on to rugby's tail by his mouth, but he lets go. And the, as the parent's doorknob turns. Wait, let's go to say, like, like, are, I can be like, hold on. He's like, I am. or something. He, he tries to respond. Which is what his ultimate un, uh, un, un, uh, un, undoing was yeah. to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on. Stop, stop pestering me about this. Whoops. But as he, oh, yeah, as he opens his mouth to respond to rugby, he lets go. And as the parent's doorknob turns, he's like a deer in headlights. Rugby tries to grab him, but he's forced to duck back into the closet again. And we watch Mew collapse frozen now. And that's where they cut to commercial. <laughs> Just. I think rugby could have grabbed him. He could have grabbed him. <laughs> Tigers are fast. He probably could have, but I don't know. Everybody got a little scared. We come back with the cat taking Mew back downstairs. The cat's name is Ouija, by the way. I Nobody talks about it. I don't know enough about cats to know if that's a weird name for a cat or not. Okay, so I watch everything with captions on. Um, okay. I'm one of those people. Yeah, we do too for the kids. They, okay, so then you know that they spell it W-E-E-G-I-E and not O-U-I-J-A, which no, is because I don't have because now that I have like the burned VHS copy on it, oh. that doesn't have subtitles. Okay. Is the cat's name Luigi and they're just shortening it? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe it's maybe. My, my husband said he's like that cat's name is Luigi. <laughs> no, <it's> like, no. <laughs> it could just be Ouija. I mean, that could that's be. That's what I thought. Cat. That's a very like I could see Jim Henson naming a character Ouija. I cannot see a family that celebrates Christmas naming their cat Ouija, but whatever. I think there was also a famous um, crime scene photographer who called himself Ouija. W e e g e e. To add to my weird. Uh, hobbies i collect crime scene photo books nice <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that's probably not who they named the cat after no probably not think. no i thought it was ouija like o-u-i-j-a but huh maybe it is short for luigi should have like <laughs> side-eyed us on the way down the stairs <laughs> i'm a luigi I like that joke. So Rugby remembers the trick Mew taught him to escape the closet, and he goes down to find him because there's something he has to say to him, even though he won't be able to hear him. This feels like the longest scene in the special, but it's it's the most poignant and it's the most powerful. He apologizes for being a bad friend and then sings. Well, it's like a prelude to the song Together at Christmas. It's not listed separately at all, even though this first part of the song is a very different song. Old friend, dear friend, friend who has gone away, I want to tell you I love you. Yeah. I wish yeah. It rolls into here's, that song. Here's the waterworks start for me. So, oh, yeah. So two, two things about this scene. Yep. Uh, number one, this is the, the prime cinematography for me. Like this, uh, I absolutely love the, uh, the the setup that they have where the spotlight is on rugby and you've got the the fallen Mew in the foreground laying on the cat bed and they do the, the nice like you can see rugby start to come across the room it's so well done and it so hits you that like this guy finally realizes what an unrepentant jerk he's been and now he's got to go close and, and fix his friend and it just it really hits uh, and there's another shot in the next part that I, you know, I'm not going to jump to until we talk about it. But yeah, that that's the the first scene that like really just grabbed me and thought, wow, this is this is next level stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, like I said, this is what, for me when the this even as yeah. an adult, like I'm just like, oh god, oh god, here it comes again. It's just, it's just, God, it's just heartbreaking. Um, you know, it. And you, you know, I think uh, he was saying, oh, he came over to help him, but like he, it's basically like a. a apology eulogy sort of theme like yeah, yeah i'm a jerk so i got you killed <laughs> like, <laughs> i'm glad they did uh, it i'm just, glad they gave him like a little monologue to say like i really messed up here's how i messed yeah. up that's important but then yeah. again the framing of mute you know we're kind of you know two seconds ahead spoiler but when he comes out to life through the like the the vent that's of exactly the, what yes. i was gonna say Max, uh, so yes, that's perfect yes. good. that's it's what i didn't so want to see. yeah yeah exactly we're all in agreement that that shot is just a great shot, like in between the notches of the basket. Uh, yes. And then Mew wakes up, thanks once again to the power of love. That's the power of love. I, I will. Oh, happy Back to the Future Day. There it is. Uh, I will say uh, that uh, when I die, uh, somebody please make sure that they play that that prelude to Together at Christmas at my funeral. Oh my goodness. Uh, number one because it's super great and very sad. But also because I want to see if it brings me back to life and scares to be Jesus out of everyone. <laughs> I was I thought you were gonna say, "Hey, when I die, put me face down in a cat bed." <laughs> I mean, you can do that too. I'm dead. I won't care. 
<laughs> bring the bring the point home. <laughs> so Mew wakes up and he remembers being someplace else, but it was like no place else. It was very dark and cold, but then suddenly it wasn't so dark and it was a lot warmer. And then he woke up. That explanation really stuck to me as a six-year-old watching this for some reason. Like tiny me thinking, "Gee, I never. I hope I never go into a coma." Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what the other thing is that they really drive home Mew's character with this because he he describes these these experiences that he had and then he says is that right like dude you lived it you know whether it's right or not what are you asking the stupid tiger for so yeah I thought that had a really good job of like showing his insecurity and his yeah. his really his feeling of smallness uh, by having him ask that but yeah uh, the description just point on what you would think. Uh, would be a description of of dying and then coming back to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then back in the playroom, the toys sing their more familiar part of Together at Christmas, or at least a version of it, and that brings Ditz and the rest of the pile of toys thought to be frozen forever back to life. Oh, friends, dear friends, here where we ought to be. know they could wake them up with love or was it just this toys have never storm of like emotion and maybe like Mew coming back like kicked off the domino of like the uh, rebirth possibility maybe but the next question I have is does this work all (laughs) the time now or does a frozen toy have to wait until Christmas for the magic to work if you have a flatliners thing happening where toys go out and die on purpose <laughs> to see how long they can stay dead. <laughs> oh, man. That's the sequel. Yeah, boys, Cruiser's boys, got boys a new job. Everything. Rugby just leaves himself Just everybody piles on Cruiser's cab and go off the side of the house. <laughs> Apple's taking, like, tickets. <laughs> Balthazar just is beside himself with disgust. This isn't right. I'm too old for this. <laughs> so we cut to the last scene on Christmas Day. Jamie and Jesse are bringing in their new toys alongside their current toys. And Jesse got a fire truck and a toy soldier that's the size of him. <laughs> Even Ouija got a new Mew called Mew 2. Not the Pokemon, <laughs> Mew T O O, Mew Two, not Mew Two. I kept well, waiting for I kept waiting for it to Mewtwo. say, uh, uh, you know, drive home the point of the movie and say, I see now that the circumstances of one's birth are irrelevant. No, it's t- what you do with the gift of life that determines who you are. <laughs> you know what? I'm worried about Mew though, because when you get your cat a new toy doesn't that mean you throw the old one out oh they, they wouldn't keep two so i'm like they're gonna throw them out um Got a new uh, as, one. Somebody, <laughs> as somebody who owns three cats no unless the thing gets absolutely demolished you don't throw it out <laughs> they'll, really? they'll find something to do with it yeah i don't buy my cat's toys so. no but did you guys could you do you guys know who voiced mewtwo because i couldn't find anything on that earlier. Uh, no, it's not credited, and I couldn't find a credit. It sounds a little like Apple's voice, so I'm pretty sure that's also Catherine. Okay. Maybe that's Frank Oz. <laughs> <laughs> <Could be. laughs> Nasally Miss Piggy. 
But Jamie quickly comes back in to tell Meteor she'll love her forever, just like she loves all her toys. Oh, she says it really creepy. She, yeah, her voice is like oddly soft compared to every other time we've heard her. I love you, Meteor, forever and ever. Just like I love all my toys. <laughs> it's like, I love you, Meteora, forever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> And we get, well, we get the same close-up of Apple's eyes watching, and now Rugby as well. Worry not, people who thought Jamie was a neglectful brat who can only play with one toy at a time while the rest collect dust. She's a good egg after all, maybe. I, I will say I did like that they only really focused on those three, because, I mean, you figure that she's seven or eight, and so... You know, let's theoretically, if she's eight, those are gifts from years uh, six, seven and eight, which is probably when kids would start really paying attention and having a one big favorite Christmas gift. I get that. That tracks. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of one of my own daughters who has like her favorite stuffed tiger. It's a lot smaller than rugby, but that thing cannot get lost. If we misplace it, we have we cannot go to bed until it is found. So. Yeah, that absolutely tracks. But she was a little younger when that started. I would say three or four, but. Mm. Um, Then we get our outro together at Christmas, the one that we're more familiar with because they brought it back next year on Muppet Family Christmas. Old friends, new friends, home with the family. We'll be together at Christmas. Snowflakes. And Kermit comes back just to say, well, looks like everything worked out nicely here. Well, looks like everything worked out really nicely here. I guess there's only one thing for me to do, which is join in. And that's it. Kermit's job's done. But it's good to see him, and I missed him when he was gone on that DVD. Why can he sing with them at the end, but not at the beginning? He said he had somewhere to go. I forget his exact words. Yeah, but I mean, he's like, he goes up the chimney and he's like, oh, watch what happens when I leave. And then they all come to life. And now it's just like, yeah, I'm here. I'm going to sing with them, whatever. <laughs> it's kind of like the Greek, uh, the Greek, you know, oh, you, yeah. can, you can break the fourth wall now. It's not, yep. not a big deal. It's okay. over. It's like the start of the Christmas Carol. You need to see it happen or else it won't seem magical. There you go. I know. Uh, now on the DVD, instead of since they have to cut Kermit out, we just linger longer on the zoom out of the house, and that's it until about eight years later and the secret life of toys. The secret, 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 secret life of toys. Also before Toy Story and on the Disney Channel to boot. Did y'all watch <laughs> this? Secret Life of Toys, man, sounds really familiar. So it was 1994, and they brought back Rugby, Mew, so Mew didn't get thrown out, just rehomed because this is a different house, a different playroom, and different kids. Their names are Penny and Simon, but somehow they have inherited Rugby, Mew, Ditz, Balthazar. What is happening right now? Nope. I had no idea this existed. Holy crap. And a few others. It was Disney Channel, so... If you didn't have the Disney Channel, you probably wouldn't know it existed. I didn't. 
I, I have not spent much time with the show. Neither uh, I. I knew of its existence. Uh, I did not have cable. We lived on a farm way out in the, the boondocks, and uh, they actually could not get cable back to our house. So uh, it wasn't until they got uh, satellite dishes were, were you know cheap and easy to get that we actually had any type of uh, premium channels. So I only knew about them from going – over to like friends' houses or whatever, and sleep in the no- sleeping over, and you wake up Saturday morning. It's like, oh, hey, here's here's this thing that's on. Let's watch Disney Channel. <laughs> of course, all my friends hated me because all I wanted to do was watch cable TV when I went to their house. <laughs> but yeah, Wait. so I was vaguely familiar with it, but couldn't tell you anything about it. And Apple is not there. That's kind of no. Apple's not there. No, not you, Space Queen, the coolest toy in the special. You're not invited. <laughs> Wow. I don't know why they didn't bring Meteor into it, at least. This is wild. I'll have to watch this. They, they took Cruiser and uh, went off the cliff. Oh, yeah. Well, no, Cruiser's <laughs> in here, too. Oh. They, well. yeah, it's Cruiser, Rugby, and Mew, obviously. Balthazar is there. They inherited the, like, the old dusty teddy bear. Here, you throw this away. Um... <laughs> oh. And Cruiser, Ditz, and the Duck Watch Toy. In the sailboat. And it looks like maybe the Barbie doll also, maybe? I th- look at some oh, pictures maybe, right maybe now. the Barbie doll. And then just some others. But yeah, that existed. I didn't watch it, but that's out there. You can find it if you look hard enough. Yeah, I'll definitely check this out. Yeah. Crazy. But any final thoughts on the Christmas toy? Um, I actually have a story about um, the credits. Okay. So, <laughs> um. So one of the mechanical designers on this is named Fred Buckholtz. Is that how you say his name? Buckholtz? I guess he worked on a lot of Sesame-related things. So as kids, my siblings and I always wondered if this was the same Fred Buckholtz that my mom went to high school with because we had seen my mom's high school yearbook. And she told us about this like nerdy art guy who like had a crush on her and he like wrote her little poems in her yearbook and stuff. And I was like, that's the same name. And I was like, it's such a weird name. I don't, I don't know how many there are in the world. So that's gotta be him. So as a kid, I was like, yeah, that's definitely him. It's gotta be. (laughs) And so I was telling my husband about that the other night. And I was like, you know, I could just look it up on the internet right now. So I've, I found the actual guy's LinkedIn page, and it happened to list where he went to high school, and it was not the same guy. Aww. So uh, <laughs> my dreams were dashed. But <laughs> never Google but anything. Kid, you, yeah, yeah, we were always like, "There, mom, there's your boyfriend, <laughs> <laughs> your Muppet boyfriend." <laughs> Man, I wish. <laughs> it's like Jason Siegel still owns his uh, Muppet from that one song in the Muppets movie. Yeah. Uh, I forget what talk show he was on, but he would say he would like invite friends over, leave the room, and then he has the Muppet radio controlled and just talks to them through the Muppet. I'm like, man, he really is living the dream. Now I need to get invited to Jason Siegel's house. <laughs> I wonder if that phone number from that uh, that song he did with that band still works. Ooh, could be. Um. So I write Christmas plays every year. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. And I wrote one, uh, probably my, the one that's been um, the m- most welcome, uh, the best reviewed was called Toys in the Attic. 
and it may or may not have heavily drawn from a uh, Christmas toy. <laughs> I was um, going to say Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, if Pixar can get um, away with it, so can you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's no sort of like uh, toys frozen, but it was a toy went uh, toy wanted to be basically the main toy on Christmas. So he heads out of, of the attic and there's other toys that have gone missing throughout the years. Um, the attic. And there was a, this was the, the main toy was called King candy, but it basically was Balthazar essentially. Um, and then there's this big rescue mission to head out to find the one toy who left. Um, and in doing so, they find all the other toys that have gone missing throughout the years and they all come back and have a big, you know, welcome back to the toy room at the end. That is amazing. Yeah. Now it is this also slight difference is it's all through the eyes of uh, a young boy who goes up to the attic at the beginning of, of the play and finds all his old toys um, uh, that it's alluded to that they're his parents' toys. Um, but at the very end of the play, you realize that actually um, he like goes, he goes in the middle of the toys, you know, to say goodbye to them all and comes out a grown man. And it was just in his imagination the whole time. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like that. That's thank you. That's heavy. <laughs> I, I don't think it's there's probably any big surprise that it has been my most successful play that I've written for Christmas stuff. That it was based essentially loosely off of uh, a lot of the themes of Christmas toy because it's just just solid. <laughs> clearly, clearly, very inspiring and timeless. Yeah. I guess for me, uh, like I said uh, when we started, this is just this holds. Uh, you know, I, I remember a, a nice holiday and, you know, eating smiley fries and, and fish sticks while watching it. And, and just to me, it was a nice escape. And so it always has had that nice little pull of, uh, you know, wanting to be able to see it and uh, losing it for years because they don't run it anymore and just complaining, why don't they run this anymore? And then they finally released it on DVD and then uh, Amazon got it. So uh, now I can watch it with the Kermit pieces yep. uh, intact as well. So. Uh, yeah, just really, uh, I would honestly, I would say this is probably if we're excluding ridiculous Hallmark movies, this is probably my a number one, uh, Christmas, uh, special to go to. Love it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm cause again, I've not seen the, the full with Kermit in, in years. Uh, so I, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to actually go throw that on the old TV and, uh, and actually watch it in its original glory. <laughs> I mean, it does have a great bit. Like nothing is funnier to me than when Muppets go ragdoll. Like, <laughs> like that's the funniest thing in the world is when they use Muppets and they go ragdoll. And there's a nice bit with Kermit falling down the chimney and they just, you can tell they just took a Kermit puppet and threw him down the chimney. Oh yeah. And so he goes ragdoll and just arms akimbo legs going everywhere. It's, it's hilarious. If, if you, if you like the Muppets and you like Kermit, you will laugh. And it's totally worth throwing on for that. And hearing him just shout on the way down that chimney, it's like, in honor of this Christmas season, I've chosen this rather unusual way to introduce our story. You see, I... (laughs) Feels like, like, I didn't count it, but for as long as that was, this house felt like it was 50 feet high. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank all three of you. This has been fantastic. Thanks for having us, man. Uh, yeah, thank you. I, 
I, I have been looking forward to you doing one of these uh, for this special since you started doing these. Uh, actually, no, since you started writing uh, back on Pop Rocks and Coke and oh, did the uh, – uh, I, I dragged that up every time, yeah. But uh, when you would do the uh, advent calendar there as well. Uh, so to be able to be a part of it yeah. and be able to talk about it is has been uh, fantastic for me. So, yeah, thanks. Didn't think that was going to come up. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, you can cut that out if I'm you want. I'm not cutting it out. well if people want to climb onto the back of your taxi and drive off a cliff where can they find you on the internet adam um probably best place to find me would be at uh my other podcast that's um the archive uh i think it's the archive.net probably look it up quick that sounds right (laughs) dot com it's dot com com. it's dot net (laughs) (laughs) yeah the archive the archive.com um, if you want to find me in, in a very indirect sort of way. And Beth? Well, my only public facing social media would be Twitter. Uh, Beth the Obscure on Twitter. And Donnie? Uh, yeah, just like uh, just like Beth, my only uh, – I have one – Twitter account, Boxcar45. Uh, but also, if I could take a second to plug my band, uh, our name is Bronwen's Ghost, B-R-O-N-W-E-N-S, Ghost. Uh, we have a SoundCloud, which should be up right now. We just have some uh, Misfits covers that we did for Halloween last year. But um, yeah, if, if you like music and you like punk, please, by all means, go check us out. Yes. Can't recommend that enough. Thank you all again. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Fall West Mike and at Advent Calhouse. All the show notes are at AdventCalendar.house. Uh, and I'm on Instagram this year. That's at Advent Calendar House. So say hi to me on there. Again, this was great. Thank you all so much. This was a fun one. Thanks, dude. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. See the rest of y'all in a couple days. For now, for Beth, Adam, and Donnie from the world's largest, darkest, and scariest hallway, this is Mike Westfall (laughs) saying, Beware of the icy patch. And now, these messages. On the Snow and Southtown Christmas podcast, we discuss Christmas movies, Christmas music, and we have fun segments where we always talk about something weird and something fun related to Christmas on each episode. If we're tired of making fun of Michael Bublé, I might recommend Pentatonics. I'm not going to play you two on this, on this podcast. Thank you. He's eating ice cream and crunch taters. He's just partying, man. Thank God it's them instead of you, right? I was going to say he was rolling over in his grave, but I don't think he's dead, but... Well, he's still doing it. When he heard Patty LaBelle, he <laughs> dug his grave and he rolled in it. How about 10s and 20s? 10s and 20s. Be sure to check out our website at snowandsouthtown.wordpress.com, where you'll find links to our Facebook, our Twitter, and our Discord. Uh, yeah, I'd like the tiny tots, please. You mean a, <laughs> some small tater tots? Yeah, yeah, your tiny tots. He told them the whole time. They do one beagle. Fire that up. Speaking my language now. You can stream our podcast at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. It's a problematic movie. Yeah, we should pee together at least once per decade, really. He is Dallas Snow Sato because he is He's jingling those bells. bells. So I'm jingling them bells. Jingle those bells. Look what you did, you little jerk. Check out Snow in Southtown. You won't you regret it. And by won't, I mean will. <laughs> Next time on the Advent Calendar House. Hey.